When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to those who celebrate if there is such a thing called celebrating Wednesday but how about this we'll try this happy hump day to those who celebrate I'm just trying to make the best of a Wednesday because when you're on this podcast there's always something to have fun with and we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about the Bengals defense expectations benchmarks and predictions pretty much a repeat of yesterday's pod with a little defensive twist and if you missed that including a great conversation with Cordell Volson make sure you tune into that wherever you get your podcasts welcome into another Wednesday edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast Muhammad Ahmad Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizek bringing you all the action once again and uh, this is a fun promotion that I just want to keep reiterating to our listeners if you haven't heard about it already we are doing something through cleveland.com where we are asking you the listener the reader the fan Why are you a Bengals fan? The way we want you to fill out this sort of survey, because it's a survey, is you go to strictlystripes.com, and there's a Google Doc form that asks you why you're a Bengals fan, when you became a fan, and what the Bengals mean to you. At some point, once we get enough responses here soon in the next couple days and weeks, we're going to start sharing them on this podcast. We may even have some of the people who filled them out on this podcast. So if you have an awesome but authentic story, you just might get to be with me, Andrew, and Mike. So go to strictlystripes.com and click on the article that is titled something along the lines of why I'm a Bengals fan. That's going to be uh, – I'm actually excited for that. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll see how soon we start talking about these responses. But it will definitely change up the pace on this podcast, which I'm looking forward to. So I think when you sort of talk about the expectations and predictions of the Bengals defense, and you guys would agree with this, you have to start up front. I think where their defense struggled the most up front uh, where they struggled the most was up front, and up front it was especially getting to the quarterback, uh, finishing getting to the quarterback. Um, they struggled very badly. Uh, they were some of the one of the worst fronts uh, in terms of getting to the quarterback last year in football. They had the third worst sack rate at 5.08%, and then they had the fourth fewest sacks with 30. Well, this is the team as a whole, but obviously we're talking about the front four. Um, not good, and um, obviously Miles Murphy is here for a reason. You saw the writing on the wall with that, given how they struggled with the pass rush last year. So, I mean, you you look at those numbers, you look at Miles Murphy, you hope that Joseph Osai gets more reps, assuming he's more healthy in 2023, because obviously injuries haven't been kind to him. And you hope Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard stay healthy. With all of that in mind, what is a baseline for the bare minimum of sacks that the Bengals should have in 2023 with what they have now? Do you want to go first, Mike? Because I know you've talked a lot about the yeah, Bengals Mike defensive line on this podcast. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Lou Anarumo likes to say it was, you know, disruption and pressure overall is what, you know, he counted. And, you know, he thought uh, they did a pretty good job of that. Um, but I would say still sacks, you know, the sacks matter. Um, and it's evidence of, um, you know, the success doing the other things, you know, um, quarterback pressures, quarterback hits, hurries and all that. Um, you mentioned, you know, they were near the bottom of the league. Uh, that was just not good enough. Um, you figure 
you know, if Hendricks does bounce back a little bit, has a couple more, Miles Murphy, Miles Murphy adds something, um, you get a full season from DJ Reader, you'd like to be, um, you know, somewhere up 2% to, to, to try to, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be a top team, to be honest. I think more middle of the pack is what you want uh, to get a return on your investment of, of the guys you do have up front. Um, and, I, and I think that probably correlates to like, you know, 40, you know, 42 sacks, somewhere around there. So I don't expect them to be around a Dallas, a Dallas where it's 10% of the dropbacks. They're getting to the quarterback, you know, in large part because of what they do with Parsons. But, um, you know, I think that uh, they need to sort of elevate their game at least a little bit to get to, towards the middle of the pack. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, to your point, Mike, the reason why I think middle of the pack is a good number is because, like, a perfect example of that is, like, look at the San Francisco 49ers defense last year. Obviously, a very loaded defense, and I think they're going to be even better this year because they added Javon Hargrave up front. But, like, their sack rate was 15th in the league, 6.63%. They were 11th in total sacks, so they were close to the top 10, but they weren't top three. They weren't top five. They were barely outside of the top 10. So you don't have to be like the Cowboys. You don't have to be like the Eagles who had the most sacks with 70 and had the highest sack rate with it. Like, And I don't think that's really realistic. Like, You can't really do that with what you have with respect to Hendrickson and Hubbard and Murphy. But you you cannot be in the bottom three. You certainly can't be in the bottom five or let alone the bottom ten. Anything outside of the bottom ten I think is realistic. So if you're saying anything outside of the bottom ten, I think 40 to 45. Well, I know let me say this better. I think 36 to 40 is a good range. Like, do you, do you like that range, Andrew? What do you think of that? Yeah, well, 40 would put you middle of the pack. Um, you know, 40 was it was the 16th ranked team last year. There were a couple teams actually with 40, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Steelers, and the Chargers. So, um, you know, you don't need a, a sizable jump. Um, you know, I think you kind of look at how teams have invested uh, their resources. I mean, obviously Philly, I mean, they're just becoming the Georgia Bulldogs and, you know, they've done a great job kind of building that defense. And, you know, you would expect them to be towards the top of the list. I think 70 sacks is insane. Um, So nobody's saying that they have to do that or even, you know, get to the Chiefs or the Cowboys numbers of 55, 54, you know, get up into the 50s. But, you know, it's, you know, pressure rates are important and, and kind of disruption, like Mike mentioned that, you know, Lewis said and a couple other people have said, you know, that's obviously big. But, you know, we, we talked about this with Burrow yesterday. You know, it, it's more than just, you know, impacting plays. It's creating negative plays because, you know, if you can get the quarterback on the ground, I mean, a second and 10 is way different than a second and 16, you know, a second and 13, a second and 15, whatever. You know, that that is just, you know, uh, a big, big deal. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get, you know, just I, I mean, if you can get up to 40, I think you're feeling pretty good about the where the defensive line is at. I think that's realistic. I mean, like, obviously, this is assuming DJ Reader doesn't miss seven games like last year with a knee injury. Um, and who knows, maybe Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard get banged up at some point. You miss a game or two between them. It's the NFL. Injuries are going to happen. You don't want them to, but they just do. I think even then, though, uh, because you have Miles Murphy, like let, let's say you, you do miss a game or two or more with Hubbard or Hendrickson, Miles Murphy won't get anywhere near their production. He can probably come close. I mean, like, well, let's say Hendrickson had like eight and a half, nine sacks last year. I think Murphy could get half of that, maybe three, four sacks. I mean, 
speaking of him, like if we're looking at Murphy, what's a good benchmark for him? Like, I know it's hard to say because we don't know how often or where he's going to be used, but like four or five sacks, like, is that pretty realistic for someone like Miles Murphy next year? Well, I think, you know, he's, it, it, it's hard to say because he's not going to, um, you know, he, he's not going to show up and immediately replace, um, you know, Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard. Like, I think that that's pretty clear. Um, you know, so to me, I, I like if you can get him to a level where, you know, you're getting, I would even say like five, six, um, you know, cause you, you Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, you know, they had 14 and a half sacks last year. Um, you, you probably want a little bit more production out of them. You would hope that you get a little bit more out of Osai, um, you know, but those, those four together, you know, <sighs> I, I would say if you were to probably put a number on it, maybe 25 out of those four together, 30 out of those four would be good just because then, you know, you're going to get a sack from Mike Hilton off the edge. You're going to get a sack from BJ Hill or a couple sacks or Logan Wilson. So I think that if you can get those guys to 30, whether that means Murphy gets eight or nine and, you know, puts himself in the conversation of, you know, kind of one of the better rookies in, in this class or whether he gets three or four, um, you know, he's got to be able to come in and, and be productive or else, you know, this, uh, this pass rush, I don't know what they're going to be. Yeah, I think that's, and then you're going to say, well, you know, what did you sort of get out of that? And, and I think maybe it'd be a little early for that, but it still is worth asking the question of, I don't want to say what was the point, but obviously, yeah, if you go for a first round pick like that and he can't match the production, it does raise some fair questions. When you look at the sack rate, you look at the sacks, that leads to the question of, you know, how well can they, I guess, defend the pass? And, and, you know, we'll talk more about the secondary sort of later in this podcast. And we'll actually hear from a member of the Bengals secondary who I don't want to give away just yet. But, I mean, as far as like allowing passing yards, I know this is obviously there's different ways to look at the stab, but they were sort of in the middle of the pack. They were like 13th or 14th in the league last year. And, uh, regular season passing yards allowed. They allowed just over 3,800, like exactly 3,828. So, I mean, you're kind of in that ballpark with teams like the Broncos and the Colts and the Bears, which I don't think is bad because the Broncos actually had a better defense than people give them credit for with how bad they were as a team last year. Um, but again, I, I think that's not a bad place to be, but you definitely don't want to be uh, that low. I think you want to be a little bit higher. Do you think sort of one leads to the other? Like if you get more sacks, you get more to the quarterback, then that makes it easier to defend the pass? Because obviously I know Andrew made a good example once. Like if you can't get to the quarterback, you want to at least have good corners, good safeties who can defend receivers. But the converse is also true. If you get to the quarterback, you would naturally allow fewer passing yards, right? Like what do you think would be sort of a, a good benchmark? I, yeah, I don't know that. I mean, because I think their secondary is uh, going to be worse this year. I think there's going to be yeah. a lot of growing pains. Um, they only allowed 300 passing yards twice last season. I would expect a few teams to go, uh, you know, that number to increase. I think the goal would be just to limit the mistakes and try not to be much worse than that. You know, like, uh, you know, they allowed 229 per, uh, yards per game last year. Or 10 more, 15 more per game, um, you know, bend, don't break kind of thing, like Lou always says, and, you know, matters about your red zone performance, try to make it up in that that way. But I think teams are going to put up more yardage um, just based on, you know, this is going to be a group that hasn't played very many snaps together, you know. 
Even Cam Taylor Britt, who had experience last year, uh, he was playing with Eli Apple. You know, he's gone. Now Shelby's back, going to be back in the lineup, we assume. Um, so, I mean, there's still a, a lot to work out. And we've, all, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, the, the new safety. So I think it's going to be, um, you know, hard for this group to match that performance. But you hope um, that in the red zone they can clamp down and just prevent the points. Yeah, and that's the thing about passing yards is, is is you can't just put obviously all on the the front four the you know pass rush because like if your secondary is not good then you you can't put that on Trey Hendrickson you can't put that on Sam Hubbard but I mean like what what do you think Andrew do you think it at least with the secondary which we'll still get to do you think having a good pass rush at least can help provide more damage control that they didn't have last year in terms of the passing game? Well, yeah, I mean I think you know both those things kind of. Um you know, they kind of play off one another. You know, if you have a good pass rush, you know, your secondary is going to look a little bit better because if you know, you know, that they're getting to the quarterback quicker, you can maybe be a little bit more aggressive on routes. You don't have to give uh, give opposing teams as much cushion, um, you know, and I guess vice versa. You know, if, you know, if your secondary is playing really well, um, you know, and you know that, you know, you have, you know, if let's say Chidobi Awuzie kind of picks up where he was last year and he's a legit number one, um, you know, if Cam Taylor Britt takes another step, like if you're feeling good there, um, you know, then and you know your secondary has it locked down, maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable sending five, sending six, um, you know, after the quarterback and, and trying to cause pressure that way. So, you know, they, they go hand in hand. I, I think that they're both kind of equally related to one another. So, I mean, if you can get a, a boost from either one of those groups, I think it's going to help the other one. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at uh, some more stats involving uh, yards allowed, but on the rushing side, talk more about the secondary expectations for Cam Taylor-Britt as he makes a bigger leap into year two. But before we do that, we are going to hear from Bengals safety Dax Hill, who's going to talk about his jump into year two, what that means for him, and what it's going to be like working with new faces like Nick Scott. We'll have that conversation when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And welcome back to the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm joined in the Bengals locker room by safety Dax Hill, who I always enjoy chatting with. Dax, good to see you. Uh, you're looking very, very strong, looking very good this offseason. That's not just a compliment. You've been looking really good in practice. I mean, what's been working for you? How have the workouts been going for you just the last couple of weeks? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was just good being back in the building with the teammates, um, coming in, new season, coming in with a clear mind. So that's, that's why I feel so good right now. You know, I came off a good offseason. You know, still in the off season, but um, just had a you know good good time wherever wherever I was working out at. I was in Tampa training for a few weeks, so um, I feel like they got me ready for now. So feel good. You talk about having a clear mind. I guess what's the difference going into year two versus year one, just mentally? Um, I know a little bit more. Know what to expect. You know, out of a long NFL season. Um, so that's the biggest difference. Um, just knowing, not really knowing. You know. Uh, what to expect but now I kind of know what to expect so I feel like that's the biggest difference I know and really not knowing really just being in the unknown is like the biggest thing you know going to a new environment but um, it's kind of it's going to be the same environment and I'm looking forward to it. I know I asked you a while back about what it's like working with Nick how has that chemistry developed and how is it working now with a new teammate in Jordan Battle what is it like having a chemistry with those two guys? Uh, really well I mean we all complement each other we all have different games but um, you know, I'm just excited to, you know, actually, you know, start practicing with those guys, seeing how they, they move, how they communicate, and, you know, how they are as people and, you know, as football players. 
what have you learned from Nick, you know, him being a little bit more of a veteran and then obviously Jordan being a rookie? What have you learned from Nick and how do you sort of apply that for yourself, maybe apply that to a guy like Jordan as well? Um, he's come from a different type of defense, so he, I can hear his input on how he plays it, how they, how they used to play it and what works, what doesn't, not necessarily doesn't work, but what's more efficient to do and, you know, so I feel like just, you know, being by side by side with him kind of just helps my game. You know, this is a new chapter for the secondary. Obviously, you guys lose Vaughn, you guys lose Jesse, maybe you guys lose Eli from the looks of it. I mean, a lot of new faces, a lot of new names. I guess, how much of a challenge is that? But how do you also make the best of it and get excited about having new faces like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, wherever you're at, you're going to have to adjust to whatever. I mean, nothing can stay the same forever. So it's just whoever you're with, you know, you're going to see them every day, just building relationships with them. And, you know, from there, just moving forward you know moving forward you know together um not being um you know independent but you know just working together and you know just making each other better you get Lou Anarumo back for the second straight year you had him as a rookie you get him for year two at the very least uh why is it so important having a guy like that with you in your second year um you know just seeing what he what he's about and how he calls defenses you know I'm glad you know to be a part of it um he's you know he's put a lot of people in good positions and you know I'm excited you know for this season upcoming season so it should be a good year you know I talked with Brad Robbins about this but you're a Michigan guy he's a Michigan guy DJ's a Michigan guy I know I think he mentioned you guys played like video games together Nintendo GameCube back in college or maybe that was him and DJ but obviously you guys have a relationship how cool is it having the Michigan bros being the Bengals bros now yeah I mean it kind of just makes it everything a little bit more better um, we know each other we know each other outside of football and you know it's good to see a familiar face and so whenever you see a familiar face you know you feel a little bit better you know so I'm excited you know to have us all three back together Almost forgot about Chris Evans too, right? Oh yeah, and Chris, Chris Evans too. Man. You can't forget about him. <laughs> I mean, is there something to be said about you know you got Michigan guys, you get Jordan Battle from Alabama, you have obviously Jackson Carmen Higgins from uh, Clemson. Is there something about just having guys from championship winning programs being on a team like this? Like, does it make a difference? Do you see that coming from a championship program? Um, I remember Coach Zach Taylor. He was saying everyone's here for a reason. Um, and so I believe, like what he said, everyone's here for a reason. Um, you're not just here by accident. You know, everyone's here to contribute in a way um, that they can. So, um, so whatever that is, you know, I'm excited for it. It's my last question, and this has nothing to do with football. Since you've been here for over a year now, I'd imagine you've gone to a few restaurants, gone to a few places. Any restaurants you like? Any places that people need to know about if they don't know about them already? Um, I just tried out a new steakhouse, MRLB. Um, that's like not too far from here. I just went there. I mean, that was like one of the best spots I've been to so far. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of different restaurants out here. Obviously, Jeff Ruby's. Um, uh, who else? I don't know. There's a lot of different spots I've been to. So uh, I say Cincinnati. I mean, it's kind of growing on me. Yeah. Did Joe, did Joe Bro put you on Jeff Ruby's? Shoot, the, the veterans kind of put me on that with the rookie dinner. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Dax, always a great conversation. Never enough time on this podcast, but really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Don't go away. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Uh, had a great chat with Dax Hill, who's going to make the jump into year two, uh, as presumably we would hope uh, the free safety for the Bengals as he'll be replacing Jesse Bates III, who's now gone. Speaking of Jesse Bates and Von Bell, you look at what those two did together 
their third and best season together and ultimately their final season together in Cincinnati. They had 148 tackles and 11 combined takeaways. So that's including interceptions and fumbles that they forced. And there was no shortage of that, especially in the high pressure situations like we saw, especially from Von Bell against the Patriots, for example. I don't say this to demean, you know, Nick Scott or Dax Hill, but, you know, Nick Scott's coming into a new defense. You know, Lou Anaruma runs a very different defense from what the L.A. Rams had uh, with Raheem Morris and Sean McVay. And then Dax Hill is actually playing safety, which he, he didn't do last year. He was primarily, a you know, a nickel whenever they needed him in certain packages. So you look at what Bell and Bates did, and granted, this was after three years together and being veterans in the league. What is the realistic expectation for Scott and Hill? Is it 100 tackles combined? Is it maybe half the takeaways, like four or five takeaways, possibly six? Like, how how much do you think they can really fill the shoes of Bell and Bates? Well, you know, I, I don't know if if necessarily tackles are the way to look at that. Um, you know, because if you have a better, you know, if you have a better front four and, you know, you, you get, you know, really solid play out of Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt again, I mean, maybe those guys take some of the, the heat off and, um, you know, Cam Taylor Britt's a really active member of the secondary in terms of kind of getting in and, and, and playing the run. So maybe he, yeah, I don't know. I just tackles. I don't know if the ways, the, if the, is the way to look at it. Um, you know, maybe you could look at interceptions. I mean, those two guys combined for eight interceptions, um, you know, you would like to have, um, you know, you would like to have kind of production be picked up in that regard. Um, but, you know, then again, Cam Taylor Britt didn't have an interception in the regular season. Mike Hilton had one. Uh, Chidobi Awuzie didn't have any either. So, you know, maybe you get more picks out of your corners. I just think that, you know, you it, it's what, a successful year for, for Scott and for, for Dax Hill might not be as quantifiable. I think that there are certainly measures of that but it might not be as quantifiable as you might think just because you know again you can have you can have great years out of your corners but you know that could be um you know that could kind of be a side effect of great play out of your cornerbacks so um you know cornerbacks playing well and the safeties kind of feed off of that you know putting a lid on the opposing offense so yeah i i'm not sure i want to put a number on it just because i'm not sure that that's necessarily the most direct line to success well they could have terrible seasons and have 90 tackles i mean sure. just i mean they could just be yeah teams could be running all over them in the secondary and have to you know that they're the last line of defense they get all the tackles but they didn't play very well so uh, i think it's just going to be sort of uh you know when you kind of see it um you know you'll you'll know if they're playing well um i think the team stats will tell more of the tale um and how teams play them also um you know if teams just line up to throw the ball because they, they see uh, especially deep, you know, then obviously they feel like the, the there's weaknesses uh, in the back end. And I, I don't think stats, like Andrew said, sort of uh, tells you anything about that individually, at least. So then, and I guess, you know, moving away from kind of the quantifiable side, we don't really know how and where they're going to use Jordan Battle. We know he'll be a safety. That's clear. He's not going to sort of be like the way they used Dax last year at, free, uh, at uh, Nickel, but we know he's going to be safety. We don't know how he's going to be used at safety. And this is obviously, like I said, all of this is way too early to guess. But, I mean, what would you sort of want to expect from Jordan Battle? Like, what what would be his best role, whether it's quantifiable or non-quantifiable, like, to help fill those shoes of Jesse Bates and Von Bell next year in the backfield? I think he just gets playing time, you know, uh, 
whether it's special teams or, um, you know, some snaps as a backup. I, I just think you're looking for him to have some sort of role. And, and you know, that's what you want contributions from all your rookies. Um, and as much as they can give you that, that's what you'll take. Um, you know, I think if he's, uh, you know, could he win a competition? You know, I think it's going to be an uphill battle just because, you know, Hills had an extra training camp on him and everything. But I, I do think you want um, him to have some sort of role next year um, in some facet. One quantifiable stat I wanted to mention that I didn't mention earlier because we talked about passing yards and I don't think this is as subjective. I think there's more room to talk about this and that's obviously rushing yards, which if we're talking about the Bengals, it's not a bad thing because they actually, uh, they had the, I'm looking at this, they had the seventh best rushing defense. They allowed just over 106 yards per game. Um, and this is even without, you know, DJ Reader for seven games like we mentioned. And then obviously once he came back, the difference was very obvious, even for how well they were playing, stopping the run. I think you look at what they did against Derek, Derek Henry spoke for itself. Same with Nick Chubb. Um, they are going to face those guys again. Chubb twice next year. They're going to go to Nashville and face Henry again next year. Um, among some of the many running backs we're going to face, I guess. Do, do you expect them to replicate that? Like, or do you think they could do even better? And maybe, and this is with Miles Murphy going back to him, maybe have a top five rushing defense in 2023. So much of this this defense, I think, is going to be kind of what you can do in the pass rush because you know if if Miles Murphy becomes a starter or you know if Trey Henderson and Sam Hubbard kind of keep that level of of you know kind of total play around them and and kind of boost some of their sack totals, I think you know you're feeling really good about you know kind of keeping four in the box and you know if you start to have to you know stack the box because you can't you can't get after the quarterback. I mean, then then you're in a problem because if you're you know if you're putting six in the box, seven in the box against against the Browns, against the Titans, that's not going to be a problem when you play the Titans because I, I'm not quite sure how good their offense is going to be, and by that I mean I think they're going to be terrible. Um, you know, but if you have to do that against the Browns and Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson's probably going to eat you alive. So, um, you know, I I think that it, it's it's once again it's it's a boring answer, but it's kind of related to one another because. You know, if, if, if your front four is playing well, you know, you, you're going to be fine. If you can get after the quarterback and kind of wreak havoc up front with four, um, you know, you can allow four and a half yards of carry, five yards of carry, uh, you know, as long as you're getting after the quarterback, kind of creating, um, you know, creating a lot of problems when, on passing downs because those are the downs that, you know, frankly really matter. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know, they were good last year against the run. What was it? They ranked seventh. Um, you know, I don't know that they get in the top five. Um, and I don't know how dependent it is on miles Murphy. I think it's going to be, um, dependent on some of the other, the other pieces and how everything gels together. Uh, just because I think you're, you know, the linebackers are are the same. So, I mean, I think that'll help. And then, then they cover, you know, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson cover a lot of ground. And then you got DJ, uh, reader up front. It's kind of your run stuffer. So, uh, I think they will be, you know, in that, a hundred, 10 hundred yard area, um, which is a great spot to be. I think that's your strength. Um, and that's what you can, you know, try to build around. But I also think if teams just decide to throw against you and your run numbers plummet, um, you know, that's not necessarily a sign of success, right. um, but um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all develops. You know, speaking of Wilson and Pratt, um, this wasn't a down year for them, obviously, because they, I mean, Pratt had a con it was in a contract year had some of the best numbers on PFF. He gets a second contract. Wilson's going into a contract year. So a lot of potential for him. 
but they only had five combined takeaways last year. I think they had uh, eight combined takeaways the year before. So slightly a bit of a downside. You know, I mean, if you're looking at those two, you know, like I said, Pratt's going into year five. Wilson's going into year four. Do you expect them to get, I don't know, is 10 takeaways a big ask between them? Is eight more fair? I mean, like, if you're looking at those two, I know tackles are meaningless because your second line of defense, it's your job. I'm not going to go through their tackling stats. But, like, takeaways, whether it's in coverage or ripping the ball out of Travis Kelsey's hands like Pratt did, um, I know that's an emphasis Wilson has for himself. How much of an emphasis should it be for them? Well, for well, their linebackers specifically or for the defense? Just for the li- linebackers, just Pratt and Wilson, just those two, because I want to talk uh, about those two. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, getting the ball out is obviously, uh, you know, a major a major key for those guys. I mean, like you mentioned, the Travis Kelsey play. I mean, that, that swung the game. That, that swung kind of a lot of things for them, I think. You know the way that that drive was going, they were they were probably going to lose to Kansas City. I think you know Kansas City was moving yeah. on the field, and um, you know if if you don't get that turnover, uh, I mean I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean you know, I, I, I think I think if you can get um, you know I think if you can yeah. get some turnovers from those I mean guys, that was one of the if we're talking about a top twenty five play of the year, you got to put that up there. Sure, um, you know I think that if you're you know if you yeah, can and I think get... turnover, but I think turnovers are kind of arbitrary. It depends on how many times the ball comes I was going to say that situations. yeah. It's hard to sort of say, like, if they don't have 10 turnovers, they aren't having success. I just think they're you want them to be playmakers and make the plays that come towards them. I think that they've shown um, they're capable of doing that. I didn't think they were, you know, they were down last year, but I think they both made clutch clutch plays uh, in key moments. So I think you just need more of that. Yeah, I, I guess maybe it's, it's not fair to say it was a down year. Maybe that wasn't the right terminology, but numbers wise it would appear to be that way unless you actually look at those plays you can even look at Akeem Davis Gaither his pick against Baltimore with how close that game was massive when he covered Mark Andrews you know you can't overlook that I guess sort of to kind of wrap this up you talked about what to expect from Chidobia Wuzie what to expect from Cam Taylor Britt uh, especially because Britt's going into year two Uh, I guess when you look at Cam Taylor Britt since we almost are guaranteed to see him as a starter now that Eli Apple's gone and DJ Turner's still a rookie, and we'll get to Turner in a second. I mean, with Cam Taylor Britt, what it, like if you have to put a number on him, like I know Awuzie before he got hurt year before had 64 tackles. So if you kind of use it as a benchmark, does Taylor Britt have 40 tackles? I, I know it's arbitrary, and I know it's tackles or tackles, but whether it's tackles or other stats, what do you want to see from Cam Taylor Britt in 2023? going into year two, being a full-time starter for the first time ever. Well, I think you kind of, the thing that you would like to see is that he has kind of number one qualities that you would want a corner to have. Um, You know, we, you know, he played last year, you know, and, you know, I thought early on, I think, I think he admitted this too during the year early on, it kind of felt like things were flying a little bit fast for him. Um, You know, he, he wasn't really able to react as he wanted. Um, you know, but I think you kind of saw as the year went along, he really kind of settled into a role. Um, but you, you need to see that he can be a number one corner in this league because uh, Cheeto's coming up on a contract year. Um, you know, this is the last year of his deal. You know, they just drafted DJ Turner the second out of Michigan in the second round. And, you know, for, you know, kind of how they see the roster playing out, you would kind of imagine that, you know, if Cheeto's going to leave after this season, um, then your number one and two corners next year are going to uh, are going to be um, Taylor Britt and, and Turner. So uh, you know y- you need to see something out of him that can 
you know, allow you to have confidence that he can grow into a number one role in this league because, you know, Cheeto's your guy right now. Obviously, you know, him kind of being on the mend is is a concern. Um, but, you know, if you can go into next year feeling confident that Camp Taylor Britt can can line up against, you know, Tyree Kill and can line up against um, Amari Cooper and, you know, maybe George Pickens or whoever is going to be in Pittsburgh, you know, I, you, you need to have that confidence. So I think that that's kind of the thing that you need to see from Cam Taylor Britt this year. He, he's got to play well against good competition. And if you're looking at stats, I mean, I think you look at quarterback rating against or completion yeah. percentage against. I don't, I don't think you look at tackles. I mean, that's not going to tell any, any sort of tale of what, how he did. Yeah, I think even a, b- a better stat is like tackle percentage, missed tackle percentage, because if you want to burn Eli Apple, I mean, he had one of the worst tackle, missed tackle percentages in the league last year. I mean, he had the worst on the team, one of the worst amongst his position in the NFL. It was like over 12%. So how many tackles are you missing, I guess, is the question. Like, are you missing tackles? Where are you missing them? Quarterback rating against opposing quarterbacks, you know, turnovers, obviously. But yeah, um, that's hard to say because it really just depends on who you're playing and like like you said when, when you're playing against them but yeah I think like Andrew said the biggest thing for him and this is not quantifiable it's just how well can you can you play as a full-time starter Cheeto's going into a contract year you'd assume DJ Turner replaces him and with the Turner I mean kind of like with Jordan Battle I don't think you can really put high expectations on him because he's still probably going to be a backup as a rookie like Hill was last year so but yeah I mean at some point it's eventually going to be CTB and DJ I like those initials, CTB and DJ in the backfield. But um, speaking of initials and nicknames, I wanted to kind of wrap this up. I know we had a flimsy attempt at this yesterday with the offense, but with the Bengals' defense, is there a nickname? And if you guys don't have one, it's okay, because guess what? I don't either. Is there a nickname for the Bengals' defense, even though we couldn't even figure one out for the Bengals' offense? I I, I feel like there has to be one, though. Like, Like, I'm trying to... Actually, before I even say what I'm going to say, do you, do you guys even have one? Because it's on the tip of my tongue right now. Uh, is, I do is there not. one at all? Um, I hope somebody does. Um, but I, I, you know, also I think to be a good, de- you know, to be a, a kind of a, a defense with a nickname or to be kind of a unit with a nickname, you have to be really, really good. And, you know, while the Bengals defense was good last year, I don't think that they kind of right. stepped into that role. You need you need to be really good. Like you and, and by really good, I mean, you need to be elite like you need to be Legion of Boom elite. You need to be that type of that type of defense to kind of earn that nickname. So, yeah, I don't have anything, but I hope people are creative. You know, people are more creative than me. So I hope that they figure one out. As a society, we really have moved away from nicknames. We really have moved away from nicknames shame on me by the way this includes me myself i'm trying to think though so when i said tip of my tongue i mean we know the hubbard yard dash that's obviously the the play sam hubbard had against the ravens in the wild card round like rumble in the jungle i'm trying to think like is there a way to play off of the words rumble in the jungle like I don't want to say jungle rumblers. That sounds so stupid, but I was thinking of that for like a brief second. Jungle rumblers. I don't know. Jungle something or like something rumblers. One of those two words has to be a part of whatever the nickname is. But I, I think our our uh, our subscribers on subtext they need to help us out with this. And speaking of which, if you're not signed up for our subtext service, which is called Cincinnati Football Insider, make sure you sign up. Go to cleveland.com/bangles. 
And it's a two-week free trial to start. So if you don't like me and if you don't like Mike or you don't like Andrew, no offense taken whatsoever. That's why we give you the two-week free trial. If you stick with it, it's $4.99 a month. We text you and send you messages and alerts on uh, everything going on with the Bengals right when we hit the locker room, right when we come out of Joe Burrow's press conferences, right when we walk off the practice field, before we even go to Twitter. Because guess what? Twitter's overrated. And I'm saying this as somebody who's addicted to Twitter. So, yeah, subtext is the way to go. Make sure you sign up and sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter at cleveland.com slash newsletters. Once again, for myself, Andrew, and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Stay with us Thursday. We've got a special debate between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Until then, we'll see you next